Item number two on the agenda, planning permit number 16-5095. This is a time and place for the hearing on project number 16-5095 concerning an application for a conditional use permit. The applicants are Linda Gross and Sean Henson, and the project is located at 2121 Kenmere Avenue. Before we begin, do any planning board members have any legal or other conflicting interests relating to this hearing? No. 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 Have any planning board members had any communications, written or oral, with the applicant or the applicant's representative or any other person? No. 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 Mr. Ramirez, have the notices as required by law been given? Yes, they have. Thank you. And are there any written communications on this matter? Uh, there have not been any uh, written communications. Thank you. Will the representative of the Community Development Department please introduce yourself and summarize the matter for us? Good evening, Chair Joe and members of the Planning Board. Lisa Frank, Assistant Planner. Tonight you are being asked to consider a conditional use permit for the operation of a 756 square foot tasting room inside a 5,040 square foot one story brewery business in the M2 general industrial zone. Breweries are considered a light manufacturing use which is a buy right use in the M2 zone without approval of a conditional use permit or CUP. The CUP is required for the tasting room only, which is considered incidental to the main use. The applicant is seeking a Type 23 license from the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control in order to operate the small-scale beer manufacturing use. The subject property is located at 2121 Kenmere Avenue in the M2 General Industrial Zone. The property is bounded by Kenmere Avenue to the south, uh, Janetta Avenue to the immediate west and Buena Vista just a few blocks further west is a larger intersection. Floyd Street, North San Fernando Boulevard, the railroad right-of-way and the 5 freeway are located to the north and east of the subject property. Properties within the 500-foot radius are primarily zoned for industrial uses along with one block of R4 multifamily zoning as you can see on the, the zoning map here. The larger 1,000-foot radius includes some single-family zoned properties as well. So this is an aerial of the, of the area. The businesses in the surrounding neighborhood are primarily light manufacturing, light industrial uses. These businesses operate primarily during regular daytime weekday business hours. Most of them are closed by 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. This shows the, floor, the proposed floor plans for the, the project. The brewery would operate out of an approximately 5,040 square foot, one story industrial building, previously used for a, a glass repair and manufacturing business. Approximately 756 square feet would be dedicated to the incidental tasting room, where beer manufactured on the premises could be sampled in small quantities. Hours of operation for the tasting room would be 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. on weekdays and 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. on weekdays, weekends, excuse me. In addition to the off-street parking in the surrounding area, five parking spaces would be available on site. Because the proposed use is considered manufacturing and the previous use was also manufacturing, the beer manufacturing business would be considered legal non-conforming for parking and therefore would not be required to provide additional parking on site. No additional square footage or significant changes to the exterior of the building are proposed. So as I mentioned, the beer manufacturing use is a buy right use in the M2 zone. The incidental or ancillary tasting room is the discretionary per, uh, component and requires the CUP that we are here for tonight. The conditions of approval for the project, consistent with Burbank Code, would limit the tasting room to no more than 15% of the floor area for the business, and that's required in order to be considered incidental. 
Although there are some multifamily and single-family zoned properties in the vicinity, these residentially zoned properties are not close enough to the subject property to be considered residentially adjacent, which is defined in our code as being within 150 feet of residentially zoned properties. And in addition, again, the tasting room would be located completely inside the building and would be only an ancillary component of the business. The majority of the businesses in the area are closed during the primary tasting room hours and would therefore limit overlap in any potential demand for parking along the neighboring streets. And this, it's a little dark, but these two photos can show the, the street during the daytime and, and the evening. And it's just to help illustrate that after, after hours, it's pretty closed down and there's a lot more street parking available. This was the, the bottom photo was taken on a Friday evening. With respect to the existing alcohol licenses, ABC considers there to be an over-concentration when there are more than two off-sale licenses within a census tract. There are currently four off-sale licenses within this census tract where the subject property is located. Uh, three out of four of these are all within the Empire Center, stores like Target, BevMo, and Walmart, um, south of the, of the property about 1,800 to 4,500 feet away, depending on where in the Empire Center you are. Um, the fourth license is for a small liquor store. Um, the, the proposed tasting room would be much different from these existing off-sale licenses in that those are really large-scale retail uses that sell alcohol for off-site consumption compared to the, the um, small sampling on, on site. Therefore, staff believes that the required finding for the public convenience or necessity can be made. Staff believes that the findings for the proposed brewery with incidental tasting room can be made and recommends that the planning board approve the conditional use permit request subject to the conditions of, of approval for the project. And this concludes staff's presentation and we're available for questions. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now open the public hearing. Oh, before we open the public hearing, I'd like to invite the applicant or their representative to address the planning board. You'll have a maximum time of 15 minutes to make your presentation. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you to uh, the esteemed board members, the staff, and the attending uh, public. My name is Linda Gross Henson. This is my third business um, that I'm opening. My husband and I come before you representing our business tonight, Henson Brewing Company. My husband is in the blue shirt here. <laughs> My last company I co-founded um, and I worked there for seven years and then I served on the board of directors for 18 years. I recently caused the sale of this business two years ago so I could devote my attention and focus to our new business, the brewery. Um, my husband, uh, Sean, currently oversees multi-million dollar construction projects uh, that include um, sets, uh, theme park design, and also sound stages. Uh, yeah, and he's worked in this line of business for over 35 years. Sean is a brewer, and he'll handle all the creative end, and uh, he has been uh, brewing for the past 10 years, and we are now ready to sell our beer commercially. As long-term 20-year residents of Burbank, we look forward to serving the needs of uh, our, our Burbank community. Our company manufactures craft beer. 85% of the total square footage is devoted to craft beer production. Manufacturing represents the wholesale side of our business. And what this means is putting our product into kegs and selling it to bars and restaurants. So that's 85% of our uh, square footage operation. We are here tonight to seek your approval uh, to serve beer in, the, in our public tasting room. The tasting room is incidental to our primary business and represents only 15% of the total square footage. 
The British word pub is short for the term public house. Our tasting room mirrors that function in that our location is a social gathering place to meet your friends after work and catch up on the, on the day or the week while drinking a beer. Its second attribute is to expand your palate by tasting the latest offerings that our delectable ales have to offer. Much like going to a wine tasting at a winery or a food pairing event, you can sample our beers from a sampling tray, which is typically about four, two to four ounces of beer on a tray of four per tray. And then from there, if there's a beer that you like, you can order a full pint. My husband and I are beer enthusiasts, and we have visited about 300 breweries over the past 10 years. Some may call this research, but I just call us beer geeks. <laughs> we, love to, um, we love to learn everything we can about our industry. Sean talks to the brewers about the creative end, and I head for the owner to talk about business matters. As such, I would say that we are well prepared to take on this operation and seek to bring the excellence that we have learned over the years in this journey to our city of Burbank. Um, <clears throat> Just wanted to um, address a little bit about the parking. Um, I personally met with the 500 square foot uh, radius uh, uh businesses. Uh, these were the streets of our street, uh, Kenmere, Keystone, and Floyd. Um, they were more than overwhelmingly welcoming uh, to us and our project. They do, there are primary tasting room business hours, luckily are opposite of their hours. They generally start at 7 to 8 a.m. and go to 4 p.m. or some, some of them go to 5 p.m. Monday through Fridays only and are not are, it's a total ghost town after hours and weekends. Um, in addition to this, I, I would like to say a word about transportation. Um, if you roll back the clock 20 years ago, uh, there was a brewer in Colorado, in Lyons, Colorado. Um, their name is Oscar Blues Brewery. And the way they started was his mom was a very well-established restaurant restaurateur. And he took the love of, of cuisine and married that with his love of great beer. Um, they started out as two mountain bikers. And what they did was is they went on a bike trek, and at the end of the bike, at the top of the hill, they would drink their beer. And um, he invented the process by which to can the beer up until until then, um, beers like Heineken and so forth at the time were in glass bottles. He, he developed a technique to can the beer, squash it, and put it in his backpack. And as such, became a revolution of being ecologically friendly. I think if you interview most craft beer um, uh, attendees as well as their owners, we are very ecologically minded. Um, and more than that, we also like to serve our community. We like to do uh, fundraising events. We like to do charity work and support the community in general. Um, a very small portion of our business will be for off-site consumption. I would say probably the tasting room is in our sales are probably 90 or 95 percent in the tasting room itself. Um, the same gentleman that I'm talking about from Colorado has now invented a new product that will replace the glass growler. A growler is sort of like a like a glass container of milk, you know, back in the day. Um, this is the tin can, this is the can version of that. So uh, a growler is roughly, where did I have that figure? Um, a, a, the, the glass growler, the former container is 64 ounces, um, which is a half a gal like a half a gallon of milk. And this new product is called a crowler because it's not made of, out of glass. It's made out of an aluminum can. And it's only 32 ounces, which is the equivalent of two pints of beer. So I would say probably about 5% of our business will be devoted to People come to the counter, we use this machine that this person has invented and fill 
the beer of their choice in this aluminum can. So those are the two sources of um, sales that we have for our tasting room. Um, I would also say that uh, craft beer drinkers are, there's a higher percentage of those people who are bicyclist than the general population. So we are not averse to taking public transportation and other forms of uh, transportation. So um, it's, it's very common in our, in our industry for the bikers to meet at, as a group, go biking for two hours, and then have a brewery destination to um, you know cool off and and uh, drink some some great beer. Uh, we also uh, are not strangers to taking the Metro Rail. Metro Rail has a great program where it's only ten dollars on weekends. You have on-off privileges. If it, if you have to take the uh, the Metro to get to the train, all that's free. All that's part of the the ten dollars. My husband and I have done that many, many times. We've gone to uh, Torrance or Long Beach or Orange County or San Diego. Uh, we take the red line you know, to get from here to downtown Union Station, and then the rest of the way we take uh, the train. So that's something that's very common. I don't think that we're going to make an impact at all with regard to, to um, parking. Um, another source for parking is there's something called a craft brewery tour where generally the company um, buses the people they usually go to four breweries. They usually spend about a half an hour at each brewery. They pack up the people and go home. So it's like a half hour impo impact, but it's you know a, a high occupancy uh, vehicle. It's a small bus. Um, and then uh, next would be rideshare. If you're not familiar with wh what rideshare is, that would be uh, a private driver who is using their own car to transport the public. Services like Uber and Lyft, um, the advantage of doing so is these these uh, drivers are very well screened. They go through background checks. They have to do a physical test themselves with their companies, and the cars have to pass a certain inspection. Anyway, with the ride share, it you can take it at a fraction of the cost. So for those of us, for those who are coming to the brewery, a lot of them are using ride shares. I've even talked to uh, twenty-year-olds who tell me they're only going to drink one beer, and they're still very prudent and very cautious and taking these rideshare services instead of drinking and driving. Um, you know, our business is completely different than, um, you know, a, a bar, a, a regular bar where someone is spending three and a half hours watching a football game and eating wings and drinking themselves, you know, they continue to drink. <laughs> so it's really not our demographic. They usually have the taster tray, get a pint or two, and then they're on their way. Um, and then we also have two city buses that uh, drop off the passengers one block away from our establishment. So uh, with that, I welcome any questions or comments, and we thank you for your time and attention in approving our application. Thank, thank you. you. You meant 21, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we heard 21. <laughs> We'll now open the public hearing to hear from any persons in the audience who wish to speak on this matter. Thank you. Each person may address the planning board for a maximum time of five minutes. Is there anyone in the audience who would like to speak on this item? Thank you. Please come to the podium and introduce yourself, and you can submit your yellow card after. Hello, planning board members, staff. Uh, my name is Camille Goldberg. I'm the president of Golden State Gymnastics. Uh, we're a nonprofit here in Burbank. Um, we've been serving kids at 1828 North Keystone for about 20 years. So I just wanted to make sure that it's on your radar because it's not in the staff report um, that we are located um, very, very close to the brewery. Um, and it sounds really fun, but we do serve about 775 kids a week, and our main hours are 3.30 to 8.30, Monday through Friday, and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to about 3, same thing with Sundays, and we do special events on Saturdays and Sundays, birthday parties, things like that. Um, we have 18, about 18 parking spaces in our lot. We're actually on um, exhibit 
A2 that you have. You can see our building and our parking lot on it, 1828 North Keystone. So that shows you a little bit more how close it is because all the other surrounding businesses are actually listed in the report, but we're not. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to make sure that you're aware that there are businesses with significant overlapping times, and there are many children um, who are dropped off, picked up throughout those times. Um, it's really up to you to decide what you want to do with that information, but I don't want it to be overlooked. Okay. And if you have any questions for me, I'm happy to answer them. Thank you. Thanks. Would the representative of the Community Development Department like to make any further comments? Uh, staff does not have any further comments. Thank you. Does the applicant or their representative wish to make any further comments? I was um, originally asked to interview the uh, neighbors who are within the 500 uh, feet, and the gymnastic um, place of business is just a little bit outside of that that area, which is why they weren't part of the staff report. But She's part of the 1,000 feet, of course. Thank you. Oh, one other thing. I wanted to um, ask about the, the time, if we could make a slight change on the time. Um, I think it reads 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. on weekends. I'm also wondering if we could consider uh, holidays, because there are quite a few legal holidays. Some of them fall on Mondays. And again, the surrounding businesses would be closed. Thank you. Thank you. Does the board have any questions of staff or the applicant? Board member Azadi. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, staff, please. A couple questions. Uh, I looked at the conditions of approval. Is there food being served at all in this establishment? Uh, there was no um, food proposed as part of the, the project description. Is it a condition of, that there's no food? I believe it is. I can. I just missed it if, if there is. I just want to make sure that it, it would change things for me if there was food being served there or could be served there. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't. What's up? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Condition of approval number one, uh, the last sentence specifies that this conditional use permit does not allow for a restaurant nor for food service as part of the beer tasting. Okay. And then just curious as to, as to the gymnastics, how, how do we, how was that not brought up in the staff report? Well, we, we generally look at, you know, as the applicant mentioned, what's kind of in the immediate area. We don't have a, a definition for what uh, the immediate area consists of, but, yeah, that 500-foot threshold is, um, you know, what we would tend to go off of and what would kind of, if you're looking for parking in the area um, or attending a business, what would be reasonable to consider in the immediate area. So apologies for, the, for leaving that out, but that's, that would explain why. Can I ask Ms. Goldberg a question? I missed something in her testimony. I just want to ask her a question. Yes. What, what were the hours, the operation of the of the gym? Um, yes. Our peak hours are after school hours, 3.30 to 8.30, but we do operate starting at 8 o'clock in the morning till about 8.30 at night. And that's Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, we start about 8 o'clock in the morning, Saturday and Sunday, and go to approximately 3 o'clock, unless we have birthday parties or things like and that. Did, you didn't really ex express a concern? Was there a parking concern? Or was um, there a child well, concern? Well, when I just was reading through everything, I had spoken to Miss um, Gross. She had called us, and we talked through parking and overlapping times. And so I was certainly interested. And when I read through the report, we just weren't on it. Empire Center businesses are on it. The business across the street from us is on it. The conclusion says that 
no businesses are operating in over, overlapping hours. That's just incorrect. So I just wanted to bring that to your attention. <laughs> I don't think it's my place to say whether or not it's a, you know, to support it or not support it. I mean, if we're neighbors, that's great. We'll all be neighbors. You know, we, our neighbors have 20 years. We've been there, a lot of turnover. So that's fine. Um, but it, I just felt like the report wasn't accurate, and I wanted it to be accurate. I wanted you to have the information that you needed. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Manager. Be before Ms. Goldberg leaves, I have a question. A further question for the chip. Ms. Goldberg. Ms. Goldberg. Yes. I believe that's your last name, correct? Goldberg, yes. yes. Looking at Exhibit A1, do you have a copy of Exhibit A1? I do. Just It will take me a minute. Yes. You see where the subject property is, correct? Yes. Can you tell us where your location is? So if you look at um, Keystone Street, do you see Keystone Street right there? And approximately where it indicates M2 for a completely other reason, that's where our building is located. Mm. M2. And then if you, you can see half of the building and the parking lot on A2. Is your entrance on Empire Avenue? Um, our entrance is on Keystone. Is it closer to Empire or is it closer to... I would say it is right in the middle of the street. Kind right. of right where the building is cut off at the bottom of A2 is where our entrance is. And we we have, for all these years, shared parking on Kenmere, Keystone, um, Empire. Well, do, do you find... Uh, House parking availability while depends you're in on operation. the time of year. It depends on the time of year. Uh, there's certain. Uh, it depends on what's going on in the neighborhood. Um, typically, it's it's okay for us. I mean, um, I think that it's correct that at the end of the day, there's less parking or parking issues. There's more parking availability. If you, you want to say that, I just want to make sure that there's an understanding that there are many children walking on these streets during those hours <laughs> all year round we don't we don't take days off we have teams that train even on holidays so there's children around right very close that was my only real issue is just let's get the facts out <laughs> and then you do with it what you will i i'm not i don't have a, I'm not going to express an opinion that way. I guess I can, but I'm not going to. Are you concerned? Um, I think it's something that we need to be aware of. I think that um, listening to their project, um, I'm glad I was here and could hear exactly that it's very limited and that they are thinking about ways other that it's not just getting in your car and driving after you've you know had a few tastes. Um, I just feel like it's something we need to pay attention to. It's, I mean, we have a lot of kids there. It's like putting it this close to an elementary school. We've got that many kids, and we have that much turnover happening in those, our, our hours are off hours from school, 3.30 to 8.30, our peak hours. You said 700 kids. 775 kids a week approximately, but throughout the year we're serving you know several thousand kids in Burbank. We have a partnership with uh, Boys and Girls Club and uh, Park and Rec and, you know, do gymnastics for kids. That's what's we do, what we do. But, yeah, it's just that there are directly overlapping hours. So I just, if it's going to go forward, I guess I would say we need to really all be aware. And if there's anything that needs to be mitigated or if there's issues that come up, it's we knew. Ms. Goldberg, yes. how many children are attending the school between the hours of 3.30 to 8.30 on a daily basis? I mean, your gymnastics school. Average. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, and I, it's a little bit different each day, but I would say approximately 120. Saturdays are bigger. Um, Fridays are smaller. Are they usually dropped off? Oh, that's that's the hard thing. We can we can do a study. <laughs> Linda and I had talked about we can do that if we have to. Um, 
some are dropped off and some parents stay. Some sometimes it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's com we leave it completely up to the parents. It's, we don't um, have a requirement that they're dropped off. I don't really think we can have a requirement like that. Um, and parents are welcome to stay. What's the age group? We start with um, infants and go to uh, approximately high school. You know, seniors in high school. So, three, five, five to eighteen, three to eighteen. Um, I would say we do have baby bouncers, and they start about six months old. So okay. that's a parent-taught environment, um, and those are that's what we actually do during the daytime. Um, but in the afternoons, the three thirty to uh, eight thirty, those are your school-age kids. Those are your kindergartners and up. You are aware that this is not a retail type of a setting; that it'll be just probably a door for adults to go through. I mean, the, the business itself is, is not a retail-type business. It's not... That they're it, not going to... It's not like a liquor store, Correct. Yes, yes. Yes. No, I understand okay. what, a, what a brewery is, and I understand what the tasting room is. And it sounds really fun. <laughs> like, I'm not opposed to that at all. It's just, let's be aware of the location and what is really... What the businesses really are there, because it's not in the report. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. I have a question. I'm oh. sorry, from Ms. Goldberg, too. Are there any safety safeguards in place so the kids, can they just kind of come and go out of? No. Okay. <laughs> um, we do, uh, we have our staff right at the front door, and we are always, you know, watching to make sure the kids don't go out without a parent. Um, okay. Accidents happen, though, and that's my job is to always be looking for anything that can go wrong to try to mitigate that. Um, but, no, they're not allowed just to walk outside. We even have signs right at our door that says no one under 18 can go outside of these doors without an adult. So they're signed in and out? Um, parents sign in and out if they leave. So we know if a parent's left the building, we know if we are the ones in control of the child alone. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Additional questions, comment from the board at this time for staff or the applicant? Seeing none. Oh, a question? <laughs> sorry, I'm Sean Henson. Uh, I'd like to go oh, back. I'm sorry, at this time there's no um, comment. Your section for speaking closed with oh. Ms. Gross, so then now it's the board asking questions. So okay. if they happen to ask a question and read, be on the same page as you then. We'll ask, invite you up. Board Member Petrulis. Yes, I just wanted to ask staff a question. Um, did you go out to the site during the hours that the, that the gym is operating? Did you look at? Yes, but I, I didn't, I guess when I was there, I didn't uh, see activity coming from there. Okay. Um, do you know what time of day you went out? It was um, late morning. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's typically probably not their busiest time because yeah. if it's after school and evenings. Um, okay. I think that's it for my questions. Board, I just board member, Petrolis, I, I uh -huh. may add to that. Um, the image that actually uh, assistant planner uh, showed uh, regarding the night shot right. at 7 o'clock was actually mine. Um, to become familiar with the project and on my fifth day. Right, right. Uh, I was there on Friday, um, and actually the, the the rest of the street there was, other than a camper that was parked there, which probably someone was sleeping in, um, the street in particular that, that the gym is on was the only one that actually had uh, cars cars on it, but the rest of the area around it was pretty much there was only one vehicle on that street, and that was at 7.15, so it was within the time PM. frame. PM. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you. Board Member Zadi. I'd like to hear from Mr. Henson. Thank you. My question is, what were you going to say? <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um, if we could go back to one of the, the pictures, there was a grouping of pictures of the site that showed the roads. It was towards the beginning. There. Uh, and the, the picture on the bottom right hand, 
was actually a picture I took on a Saturday morning, which was, it, it is pretty much the way the whole area looks all day Saturday and Sunday, um, and as well as after hours on Friday. Um, my wife and I were at the location on a Saturday, and we were we were observing the activity at the gym, gymnastics building, and there were a few kids coming in and out, but they were all accompanied by by parents, and they were all essentially going straight to their cars, which was in their parking lot. So that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you. Any further questions from the board? I have a question for staff. Question for staff. I noticed that on the uh, planning board agenda forecast, it states that the uh, tasting room inside a 4,858 square foot brewery but in the actual body of the report, it's 5,040. Uh, is there a way to explain this? Yes, um, that might be a, a typo, but the project plans um, and the plans that will get submitted for final plan check review would, would um, and the plans that were actually submitted show the net area. That could be the, um, with certain walls deducted perhaps, but um, it would be, basically fact-checked during a uh, plan check for, for final review that it would, would match that square footage. And that would translate to the 15% and not necessarily 756 square feet. Right. So if, if, um, if they end up you know, showing less than 15%, we, we would look at that. But either way, we would measure the percentage uh, for the, the square footage for the tasting room as well as the overall and make sure that it does not exceed 15%. Right, and and that's what I was alluding to. That the it's the fifteen percent that's controlling. That's right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Additional questions from the planning board. Seeing none, I now declare the hearing closed, and the planning board will deliberate. What is the planning board's pleasure? Um, I can start. Obviously, thank you, Ms. Goldberg. We w were very um, thankful that you were able to share more further information about the area and give a little more context of some of the information that wasn't included in the board um, in the staff report. Um, being a gymnastics facility and not a school, it's good to know that there are certain controls that are different than a school. A school finishes and the kids are free to go out. A gymnastics, you make sure and you have a sign that Anyone under 18 can't leave the premise without a parent. And I'm pretty sure you just assume any kid in the facility is under your care, even if the parent was there. Um, this is a board that denied a Starbucks an alcohol permit because it was next to a high school. So we're very sensitive to what kids can do near alcohol facility or even the safety concerns. So we, again, thank you for sharing that information. Um, that being said, given the nature of the tasting room and the nature of the gymnastics um, and the hours and especially the zone and where it's located, it's very industrial. Um, I can make the findings for the project and will support the tasting room. Uh, I would like to also commend Ms. Goldberg for everything that you shared with the board and, uh, and how forthcoming you were about the responsibilities of taking care of the children and making sure that they are accounted for, signed in and out. Uh, that made me feel better since they are going to be in close proximity with drinking going on. Uh, I, I feel like the safety measures that you have in place will safeguard those children, and I, too, can make the finding for um, the CUP, for the brewery. Remember Rosati? Madam Chair, thank you. Um, you know, we've had, this is what, the fourth or fifth uh, tasting room that's come to us. Um, I got chastised by somebody last time I made a comment that it's just beer tasting. There's no music. There's no food. It's just tasting. Boring. So I got 
There's no chips and salsa or anything like that. Um, so, but I know that there's a, a part of the part of the of, uh, of <laughs> exactly um, of our community that enjoys it, and, and that's great. Um, I did go by uh, twice to the subject property, and you know there did seem to be ample parking in the area. Um, you know, Ms. Goldberg's testimony kind of made my radar go up. Um, I can't think of any other mitigations uh, other than the ones that have already been put in place for the conditions here. Um, so I will uh, agree with staff's findings. Um, I'm just a little bit concerned that we, we didn't know this in advance, that there was, you know, that this was left out of the report, and clearly it's in in the heart of of the area. So, just for future reference, I think we we need to just be really vigilant as to when we're doing these reports, what what the contents are. Thank you. Thank you, Board Member Pachillas. Thank you. Um, yeah, I appreciate the neighbor coming. I think it's really important to have. Um, to have a voice, um, and I have been to Golden State Gymnastics a zillion times with my children, and I know how busy it is um, during those times. I know during the summer they have camps, and it's it's insane. It's like you know, carloads of kids and parents coming out. There's nowhere to park, but that's mornings um, during the summer. So school's out. Kids are in these camps. Um, I have not been there on an evening. I don't know how busy it is, but I'm assuming from what the research that staff did and that the applicant did that um, those other businesses are closed and it frees up those other streets, even if Keystone is parked up. So, um, and when I've been to Golden State Gymnastics, I have never had to park on Kenmere. I always find something on Keystone or, you know, I circle around and then another parent leaves and, you know, you kind of pull in or you pull into their parking lot. Um, and I do appreciate all of the safeguards that they have for um, protecting the kids. So I think that that's, you know, that's really important. And the, the, one, the one thing that might be good about this is it might give the parents somewhere to go also they won't all be sitting in your in your lobby and hogging up all your free wi-fi but um so no i do i i see it's an important um an important thing to look at having that many kids in that close proximity but i'm thinking about other gyms or other other places that we take kids and there are bars or restaurants with wings and tvs and all that stuff where people stay longer and do drink probably a lot more. Um, so I am in support. I can make the findings. I think, um, I think the applicant realizes now that, you know, to be vigilant in, in what's going on um, in the neighborhood. And um, I don't know if there is a finding about the no music. There is. Um, yeah, there, there is. is. Okay. Um, just because you were saying that it was going to be such a boring place, but um, no. But I would I would also not be opposed to. Um, I know that there was a mention of changing the hours a little bit, whatever that was. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Oh, the holidays. That's right. That's right. Um, I would not be opposed to adding that in as well. Um, Condition of approval number four has the hours. Okay. So to to uh, amend that to include um, Saturday, Saturday Sunday, Sunday, and all legal holidays, or how do we? Is that what we usually do? Legal holidays. Okay. All right. So thank you, thank you, Board Member Atikunian. Thank you, Chair Joe. Um, I appreciate the information provided here. I am somewhat concerned. My concern is not actually parking. It's just a matter of uh, people driving uh, close proximity to the location uh, where they've consumed alcohol and I'm not sure. We're not there to see how much alcohol they're consuming. I know beer does have a low content of alcohol, but probably craft beer has a higher content than just the regular beer. Uh, I should have asked that question, but I'm assuming it's about 5 to 8 percent 
range. Uh, but having heard some of the information provided here by an actual parent who took her children there, uh, as far as parking is concerned, that issue seems to be resolved. Uh, I don't have any concerns about parking uh, at this time. And I'm sure, Ms. Goldberg, uh, feel free in the future, if you do feel that there are some issues uh, that have come up while the business is in operation, obviously things could change. And uh, you may see things that you didn't even think about today. We would appreciate if you can bring it to the city's attention, and hopefully the appropriate uh, body or party will look into it. Uh, so uh, based on the information provided, I think I can make the findings and uh, approve the project. Um, Ms. Gross Hansen, the hours that are listed right now as part of the up as a condition of approval are listed Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. to 11 p.m., Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. So right now it's listed that Saturdays and Sundays closes at 10, whereas Monday through Friday is at 11. Is that in your request for us to change, extend the weekend hours? You mentioned that the weekend hours are 11 a.m. to 11 p.m.? Could you please step up to the microphone? Okay. I see. So the staff report has the correct hours. The conditions of approval have the incorrect hours, so we'll amend it either way. Okay. Thank you. We got oh, the answer you got on your way up here. <laughs> okay. So the amendment to condition number four would be Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Saturday and Sunday and legal holidays, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Okay, got it. So with that amendment, um, do we have a motion? Does somebody want to make a motion or I can make it? I'll make a motion to approve project number 16-5095 as amended condition number four, Saturday and Sunday and legal holidays, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. I'll second that as amended. We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Say aye. 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 And opposed. That's unanimous. Thank you. At this time, we will have oral communications. If you would like to speak, please submit a yellow card. The first speaker for tonight's oral communications is Johnny Johnson, and that is the only card we have at this time. Good evening, Mr. Johnson. Good evening, and thank you. Um, I want to thank... Uh, Mr. Medina back here for informing me tonight because I thought today was Monday the 12th, not the 13th. And this has to do with Senate Bill 1069, which is coming up. And the reason I'm very interested in this is I have been working with uh, the planning uh, section here in towns since July of 2016 for a second unit dwelling. I own a property at 914 East Providencia, in which we uh, purchased over 20 years ago. And what I wanted to do is put a second unit dwelling back there. Uh, second unit dwelling at that time, of course, is 300 foot radius. And uh, so I put up the 1269 to the, to the city, found that uh, nobody else had them by permit uh, in our area. And then one of the questions that came up in my uh, plans was that I want a, fifth, a five foot setback from the alley. I have an actual T alley on this line. And at the time, the lady that has now retired told me that I could not have it without spending another $10,000 and asking your permission to do this for the simple fact that a 15 foot setback for a second unit dwelling would, uh, or five foot, I'm sorry, uh, would infringe upon my neighbors in the noise section of town. So in other words, if I put a wall there on a single unit five feet back, my neighbors might hear the noise when I have a 20-foot 
alley right behind me. Now with this process, I was, you know, buying the more stickers to go to the thousand square feet and get permission to start doing this when 1069 came came up. Uh, I've been working with Mr. Medina since then, and what we're finding out now, of course, we don't have to have um, the garage on it. So now my unit can go from 400 to even an eight, 900 square foot out. And if I do it right up to 1,200 square feet, which would be way less than my 38% on the property that I have of an 8,500 square foot lot. So I understand that this is coming through the planning board and then going to the council for approval on some wording that has to be done. And setbacks is a very, very tricky portion of, of this 1069. A garage that sits back three feet can then go up and have a second unit put on top if it goes two more feet in. So therefore given a five foot setback with or without an alley, which makes a, to me a heck of a lot more noise to the neighbors than a single unit uh, at five or even 15 feet with a 20 foot alley. Now I understand that coming through you and going to city councils, this probably will get come back somehow for the actual wording on setbacks and such. So what I'm asking is that you beware that that setback is a little bit on the, I don't want to say prejudice side, but in a way it is. Because if I take a 15 foot setback instead of a five, I lose an avocado tree that's been there for way before I got there. And then the one to my right would probably die because you have to have two to grow, they say. I lose lawn or yard up in front between uh, the house and my garage. Therefore, the entertainment space I lose. I waste 10 feet behind this wall because the only thing I can put back there really is a hot water tank and walk around it along with the wall. Again, my, that gives me, what, a 20, a 35-foot setback from my neighbors as opposed to three to five from someone without an alley. So what I'm really asking, and I'm hoping Mr. Medina is working with us still because it's all about who says yes and who says no, is that we turn the setback to a standard that we all can live with with the second units on these properties. Because I have to tell you that these are very, very important second units, especially here in Burbank. I just paid $20,000 to have my son rent an apartment in Pasadena for one year because we can't afford a place for him in town with a dog. He's 24 years old. Because everybody else in town for the same thing wanted almost $30,000 for a one plus one. And you cannot have a dog. And he's got a, a, a German Shepherd, even though it's registered as medical. So therefore, he has to move out. The second unit that we're creating is going to be for our children to live. Um, I need it for my wife and I to retire for our family because my children cannot afford to live in this town after we're gone. And I own three homes in this town, and I know what I'm talking about. It's a Thank very, you for your... Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your communications this evening. That's the only card for oral communications we have this evening, so we'll move on to the report section. We have one report on the agenda this evening regarding that subject, which is second dwelling units citywide. Good evening, Chair Joe, members of the planning board. Uh, my name is Marcel Medina, and I am assistant planner with this uh, planning department. Um, the purpose of this update is to provide an overview uh, for the planning board in regards to the new state laws that pertain to accessory dwelling units. In 2016, the state of California approved Assembly Bill 2299 and Senate Bill 1069 which requires cities to follow new development standards for accessory dwelling units. The intent of the new legislation is to alleviate the demand of housing across California, as well as provide housing options in high opportunity areas. The new state laws provide guidelines that the cities must adhere to on things such as ADU square footage, 
parking, parking placement, and setbacks depending on the configuration of the ADU. The state laws are also silent on certain development standards and have left it up to the city to provide new development standards for the ADUs. Only through an ordinance can a city modify the required development standards that the state has provided. It's the city's intent to meet with the city council on April 18th to present new development standards as part of an urgency ordinance. Only through an ordinance can the city adopt new development standards that are different from the state legislation's development standards. The meeting with the city council will consider an urgency ordinance that identifies temporary development standards for any new ADUs that are submitted to the city. With the urgency ordinance in place, the city will have the opportunity to engage in public outreach as part of the subsequent development standards and to understand what the needs of the community are. That concludes my report. If you have any questions, I am here to answer them. Board Member Pachillas. So what are you exactly proposing? This is uh, mainly an, an update. An <laughs> update for you guys. No, I understand. <laughs> This is mainly an update for, for uh, members of the planning board. Um, you guys may have or may get a lot of answers or questions about the uh, proposed ADU ordinance. So we just wanted to ask courtesy to let you know that we are planning to go to the city council. Um, we're projecting April 18th. Um, and at that point, we'll present what our options are. And at that meeting, the city council will, will be able to adopt um, development standards. So you'll be asking them for what they want, how they want to so, make yeah. up this new ordinance. And maybe I can Sorry. clarify, board member. Um, Thanks. So uh, typically, if you have an urgency ordinance, it would go directly to the council. Um, and we have to make some findings regarding the need and necessity to bring it immediately to them so that it's adopted and effective immediately on that date. However, I thought as a new assistant director that it would be a good courtesy to you to give you at least a receive and file report, which basically says you whatever ADU or what used to be called second dwelling unit regulations that were on the books are null and void as of January 1st. Right. We've received approximately 10, 10. Um, actual applications which have run the gambit as far as the size of units and location and potentially not having covered parking, which there are some provisions in these statutes. So um, we thought it's warranted, and this work was already started before I got here, to um, implement the urgency ordinance so we can actually look at the applications that are in queue, um, match that up against what the old regulations are and what we think would be kind of a good interim measure. Uh, hence but what ordinance. would this urgency ordinance have in it? It would outline um, the There would be specific standards? standards? Okay, so you guys are compiling these, the department is, Correct. and you will present that to council. We'll present that to council that would implement an inter interim okay. uh, urgency ordinance. And then the idea is to come back through uh, a proper vetting for public input okay. where we can then, if those need to be refined or updated, we would do that through you all where you would be making a recommendation for a subsequent adoption of a, of a new ordinance with new regulations. Okay. Um, I know that, you know, right now they can, someone can build a 1,200-square-foot accessory dwelling unit. So are, you're talking about uh, modifying the size, um, maybe no second story, maybe different setbacks, maybe... Yeah. All those things, um, there, as, as you may be aware of, seen through the um, FAQ that was included from ATD, uh -huh. the, current, the statutes that are currently in place allow conversions of garages yeah. into units in their current location. In other words, if they had a zero lot line or a three-foot setback, the, the laws actually allow that to occur. So the idea would be to look at it, um, look at that aspect of it, as well as what happens when that covered parking goes away. Right. Where are they going to locate it? Is it going to be in your driveway as a tandem configuration? Or do we then shift that potential impact onto the neighborhood, which could be severe? And there are certain provisions in the code yeah, that do a lot for traffic safety. Yeah. And health, yeah. So, there, so there are a lot of nuances that I think without having something in place as an interim measure, mm -hmm. um, allow the potential for you to have a home that's under 1,000 square feet and an accessory dwelling unit that's up to 1,200. Right. Um, and then... What else was I thinking? I had a bunch of notes. I was jotting down. I know, um, you know, we've had many issues in, in other cities that I've dealt with, and um, 
I'm sure the city attorney's office will be will be involved, heavily involved in the urgency ordinance and, and the recommendations and everything. Yeah, I think um, staff accurately characterized and the speaker from this evening that the state law came into effect. It has very specific standards and gives cities some discretion to change square footage square footage thresholds to set minimums to set different maximums um, the city's current 300 foot yeah, that's separation is uh, uh, the state does not have an allowance for that so um, staff needs to put together their best recommendation on what are um, prudent requirements in the interim um, the other thing that staff is challenged with is they were just finished a two-year process on design guidelines, and there is there are implications between the new law and the design guidelines, and the new That's law true. became effective weeks, just a few weeks before this new guide, the new guidelines were delivered to council. So, their uh, attempt is to uh, their effort is to. Uh, kind of meld the two on an interim basis and then really spend some time figuring out what are what are wise. So so there's a concept of the city could adopt a minimum size, but the building code already has some practical limitations on what's a minimum. If if it's a one bedroom, the building code says certain rooms have to be certain sizes and staff is in the process of determining what is already the default minimum. Um, does the city need to you know, separately set one, and what are some practical maximums as well. Thank Great. you. Thanks for being on top of it. Board member, is that a question? Just for clarification, the, so you, you have 10 applications. Are those, are we standing down on those? Those they hold in abeyance until this is worked out, or what's happening with um, that? I think the city attorney can, can add to this, but uh, right now with each application that's been submitted, the statute also notes a period of 120 days within which we're supposed to evaluate those projects. The idea would be to bring the urgency ordinance uh, and put it in place if the council so desires prior to that 120 days so that we can review those projects under those new regulations. Got it. I would say staff is diligently proceeding with the applications that have been submitted uh, and there is time to work on this and figure out what the implications are. Thank you. So what does this do to R1 neighborhoods? There, no more, there, there are no more R1 neighborhoods. The, the statute has provisions where it actually specifically says that the increase in units under density, under the ADU does not impact the density, uh, the underlying density. However, we all know there's the potential for right. a new unit to be on an R1 right. lot, and you have right. uh, thousands of R1 lots, so potentially each one of those could be a potential suitor site for a new ADU. In theory... Is it to be determined or is it generally accepted that the secondary unit or the accessory doling unit contributes to the FAR of the parcel as a whole? As far as the FAR, that, that's still in play. In other words, as far as okay. coverage and, and FAR. The state didn't speak but, to that. But unit count, um, that it doesn't apply. So it doesn't change mm -hmm. an R1 to an R2, if you want to call it that way. But mm -hmm. I know that's confusing, but that's written into the actual statute as kind of a, a quick mm -hmm. you know, definition to say you cannot include the new unit as a potential increase to the underlying density of that property. Got it. Welcome to the city of Burbank, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only city there. So okay. Everybody's dealing with this. Thank you, Mr. Rivers. Um, any further questions from staff or for staff? Thank you. Great report. Do we have any items from the planning board at this time? Planning board members may introduce new items for discussion, but no action may take place except to place the item on a future agenda. Um, then city planner comments. Oh, I'm sorry. A backing up. Approval of the minutes from February 13, 2017. Has the board had a chance to review the minutes? I Are can there move that. Any edits? Please. Just one edit. Yes. Sorry, on page, I don't know what, one, two, three, just my name. 
the usual. <laughs> Spell Thanks, check doesn't yeah. know you still. Thank you. Okay. Board members, out of motion? Moved. Yes, so moved. As amended, second. I'll second it. All in favor, please say aye. 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 That's unanimous. Um, returning to city planner comments at a previous meeting, we had talked about putting the Volunteer for Sustainability Commission on the agenda. So, And uh, what's my understanding, there's uh, whoever's currently serving that there's an interest to have uh, maybe that person yep. no longer uh, be able, doesn't have the time to do it. So there's an interest to see if any of the other board members would be willing to participate in the commission. Ms. Eaton, remind us, when does the sustainability team meet? Yes, 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 the sustainability meet? committee, because I was asking for a new volunteer. Uh, the sustainability committee basically deals with um, recycling, keeping this city green, all projects that pertain to that. What's the cadence of meetings for that? Roughly, uh, I think they're supposed to meet once a month, but more like once every two months. Okay. On what day? Um, it's on Mondays, but it doesn't conflict with this meeting. Got it. So it's either the first or the yes. third. I don't. I yeah. I think that's done on Monday, purpose, so it doesn't conflict with. Okay. City and also with city council. Okay. Thank you. Is there anyone who has an interest in attending the Sustainability Commission? I believe Mr. Rosotti last time uh, expressed some interest in volunteering. In fact, we cut him off while, when he was making his comment that he would do it. I believe I was probing and asking questions, but I, I'd, be happy, I'd be happy to volunteer and sure. Yes, the I mean the only thing that was difficult for me is that the meeting started at five. Okay. Okay. Have them contact me, email me, and let me know when the next meeting is. And I'll. Thank I'll you know what? I can send that motion to. Um, you can connect the yes, two. I'll connect the dots and tell them that Mr. Rosati would be happy to volunteer. Do we Appreciate need a, a formal motion for that? Or by consensus, they can agree no, it's, that it's, you would be it's, wonderful. Yeah, it's been affirmed. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Rosati. <laughs> Dinner <Consensus>. on you. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Thank you, Mr. Rosati. We'll get you next time. <laughs> we adjourn the planning board meeting to March 27th. Thank you.